Okay, looks like we're live. Namaste and welcome to another edition of the Bharat Vartha Weekly with me, Roshan Karyapa. I have your guests, Ashish Chandorkar and Shrivatsa Subana as well here with me to discuss the news and events of the week that was bright and sunny morning here in Bangalore. I, I can hear birds chirping in the background. Hi, Ashish. Hi, Vatsa. How are you guys? Hi, Kari. Hi. This has been the coldest May in Pune, I think, that I've lived in Pune. Uh, reminds me of Bangalore, actually. <laughs> See, all the good parts of Pune remind you of Bangalore. <laughs> all right. So, uh, last week was pretty power-packed. We put out uh, three very good episodes, I thought. Um, my favorite among these, and, you know, it, it had some competition. Uh, my favorite was the one with uh, Mr. D.V. Sridharan. I mean, to have the energy and enthusiasm... Uh, that he has, uh, it, it's almost like a teenager and he's, uh, on, he's 79 years old, right? And uh, really, really like the mission uh, and his uh, work ethic, actually, uh, you know, typical of a lot of us. I mean, he was disillusioned with the, the media establishment and the kind of news that was out there about India and decided to do something about it. Uh, I could relate to a lot of these aspects uh, myself, uh, you know, having started on this uh, Paratvarta journey, all three of us, right? Uh, fantastic episode, uh, certainly one that is very, very inspiring and I think you guys should definitely check it out. Uh, Ashish, uh, what do you think about the Mission Shenzhen one? Yeah, very interesting uh, conversation. This involved, this is actually a book which is upcoming uh, in June, published by Bloomsbury. And uh, this was, uh, this is written by uh, Tuhin Sina and uh, Suraj Prasad or who writes by the name of Clark Prasad. So Tuhin and Suraj uh, have co-authored this book, which is essentially about uh, how uh, bioweapons can be unleashed in the world. And of course, I mean, it's a fictionalized view of what's happened in the world in the last couple of years. So uh, it, it's pretty sophisticated in the sense of uh, how one country can take over the world. That is the basic theme, including bioweapons, uh, digital currencies, you know, stuff like that. Uh, so I, I mean, I, I've had the chance to read the, the read, a, read a soft copy, which was given to me before the podcast. So a fairly engaging book. Uh, we, we were also joined by Maru Fraza, who's one of the most well-known security analysts in the country. Uh, so apart from the book itself, we also spoke about geopolitics in general, uh, about China versus US rivalry, and uh, uh, you know what it means to counter China for Quad and for other powers in the world. So, so very engaging conversation and very different type of conversation because it started with a book, but basically it ended up being a geopolitics uh, discussion. Yeah, that uh, discussion towards the latter half of the episode was uh, simply fascinating, uh, right? Mr. Maru Fraza brought in a lot of uh, very incisive perspectives. Uh, Srivatsa, what do you think about the Harsh Gupta episode? I mean, it was fairly comprehensive, right? I mean, we did 90 minutes or so, I think. It was it was amazing. Uh, Harsh is is very articulate, and he's very good at explaining his thoughts and ideas uh, in a, in a very succinct manner. Uh, I like the way he started with you know the different arrows of Modinomics, comparing it to Abenomics, and then talking about uh, you know how growth can kind of happen in a post-pandemic India. What all we need to do, and so on. Uh, something needed in these times where you hear a lot of negativity. So it's good that there is someone who is still long India and is able to make a strong case for long India, even in these times. Yeah, absolutely. All right, let's move on to the first piece of news uh, that we want to bring to you. Uh, Cyclone Tote. I mean, they should really name these uh, cyclones in a more 
intuitive way, I think. Uh, Cyclone Torte has uh, claimed more than 100 lives and affected all states on the West Coast. This cyclone was placed in the quote-unquote extremely severe cyclone category, and it was estimated to have wind speeds in excess of 170 kilometers per hour. Wow. The last cyclone of this intensity to hit Gujarat was Cyclone Kandla in 1998. According to meteorologists, Cyclones formed in the Arabian Sea are uncommon but intense. The main states affected were Kerala, Karnataka, Goa, Maharashtra, and Gujarat. Lakshadweep and uh, Daman and Diu were also caught up in the storm. What's up? How do we recover from this? So, uh, I think, uh, I mean, you mentioned the Kandla cyclone. Uh, we had lost 10,000 lives during the Kandla cyclone. And this time, the casualty is around 169 to date. That in itself shows the rapid strides India has made uh, in a number of areas, right? First of which we had spoken a few weeks ago, which is how the IMD has improved the uh, accuracy of its forecast, which actually gives governments a lot of time, uh, not a lot, but maybe a little more time than they would have had earlier to kind of set up the disaster relief, move people to safer areas, uh, make sure that, you know, essentials are in good supply and so on, right? So uh, that's one area. The other thing, obviously, is disaster management itself has improved uh, to a large extent across states. Uh, warnings are taken by fishermen a lot more seriously. They don't venture out once they are warned uh, because their kind of essentials are taken care of. So they don't need to take that risk. Uh, I mean, this cyclone in itself has been quite, uh, I mean, the intensity has increased literally, you know, within hours, the way they kept on upgrading the cycle cyclone to category three, it, it happened pretty quickly. Uh, but in terms of our response, I think we've done pretty well this time because, uh, as I mentioned, the, the deaths are few and most of them are due to, you know, collapsing of roofs, walls, etc., or because people have not moved to some of the safe shelters that government has uh, constructed for them. Uh, I think we can't really, uh, you know, control cyclones as such. We can get better in terms of predicting and managing them. And that has definitely happened gradually. Uh, and since 2013, if you see the number of deaths that have occurred due to such adverse events, cyclones especially, be it on the East Coast or West Coast, it has come down dramatically. So uh, I think more power if the IMD is able to improve forecasts better and you know governments also become more responsive, especially the last mile governance delivery, uh, I think the casualties can come down even more. All right, moving on. The Union Defense Ministry has cleared the BRO tunnel under Shinkun La in Ladakh. Can you call it the Bro Tunnel? <laughs> the ministry has decided to request the Border Roads Organization to build a 4.25 kilometer tunnel under the 5091 meter high Shinkun La Pass to make an all weather access from Manali to Leh. Uh, the project is expected to be completed in 2024 and will be used to supply Indian army formations in the Ladakh sector. The BRO project uh, was chosen over the National Highways and Infrastructure Development Corporation Limited. Uh, the NHIDCL proposal entailed building an all-new road alignment consisting of a 13.5-kilometer tunnel under Shinkunla. 
Ashish, um, how do you think this will impact the border control situation in Ladakh? This is a very interesting project, Gary. Uh, See, uh, there's a history behind connectivity of Ladakh to Himachal. Uh, if you go back in history, the Lahaul Spiti Valley uh, in in Himachal was actually a part of the 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 Ladakh uh, administrative territories. Only when the British took over that region, the Lahaul Spiti part was spun off into uh the the uh, spun off as, as in, in in himachal uh and i mean before himachal there was a state of punjab right so this was like the larger punjab uh, state uh, uh territory so the links between those parts broke off and also the uh, the there's this place called the zanskar valley uh, in the dark so i mean that used to connect to the whole city in himachal and today's himachal and today's ladakh and that zanskar valley also was then made a part of the kargil district in 19 in late 1970s so a lot of demographic and a lot of uh, geographic changes kept ha- happening in that region and uh, the connectivity to ladakh uh, has never really developed and because although culturally people were connected to each other uh, the 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 road development has never happened in in that sense and as we know there are two currently there are two uh, roads into ladakh one is the shrinagar le highway and another one is the the manali le highway neither is open all around the year i mean there are patches which get blocked because of uh, snow and uh, weather related difficulties of navigation of course the part between manali and uh, uh, lahaul spiti i mean that that part is now accessible after atal tunnel was uh, was was opened so there are different patches which are now becoming all weather roads but the entire highway is still not all weather in that sense so this uh, now i mean how do you kind of overcome that and how do you provide ladakh and all weather connectivity this is even more critical because right now uh, the i mean uh, the, the shrinagar leh side is where a lot of development i mean a lot of work was going on in terms of uh, new roads and new tunnels and so on so can ladakh have a connectivity which which doesn't depend on uh, the the ut of jammu and kashmir the present day ut of jammu and kashmir right so that is that is a main question here and there were three options of connecting the present day himachal into present into ladakh and i think that is where this tunnel comes into play uh, there has been a debate on three different approaches of of uh, of how to make that road uh, navigable and uh, how do you create all weather all your connectivity and uh, this tunnel has finally been cleared the, there there have been three options which have been discussed uh, uh, for 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 a long time and uh, uh the uh this is actually the shortest path although the the border road organization has been favoring the the, the much longer road uh much longer tunnel which was a 13.8 kilometer tunnel uh which is what the bro uh, wanted to make but i think this is this is this 4.5 kilometer t- tunnel under shinkonla pass has now been uh, accorded uh, 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 an approval and uh, this this uh, so this is like a third road into ladakh uh which will uh, uh which is called the nimmu uh, padam darcha road and uh, this uh, i mean the road starts uh, in in nimmu which is uh, on the leh shrinagar highway 35 kilometers before leh and this road will be aligned with the zanskar river till till padam after which it follows another river called the lungnak river and uh, to, to to the shinkunla pass so the advantage here is that the alpha army this would be very critical approach pass because uh, a i mean it cre- creates a third uh, you know a, a third third option for the army to to use uh, to to move into ladakh uh, when necessary uh, there was a lot of uh, as usual i mean this region is prone to avalanches and lot of other 
natural difficulties uh, weather events so there was a long phase of study etc which had to be taken up and there were concerns around the environmental damage in the zanskar valley so i think all of that that, that kind of held off the project for a long time so i think this is a this is a good development uh, it it helps the the security causes as well as the uh, actual geographical integration uh, between himachal and ladakh regions which were much closer uh, than they look at look on the map today i mean today we you don't you don't really understand that uh, that that region was was much i mean so ladakh was much closer to present himachal than it was to jammu and kashmir right but i think it's been uh, i mean that that's how the the, the boundaries had been de- uh, decided and even the district boundaries had been created that way so i think this kind of overrules and overrides some of that history right okay uh moving on pune based medical solutions company mylab has received approval for from the icmr for a covid-19 self testing kit the test is called covicelf and can be purchased online for about 250 rupees without a prescription it will be available for purchase from next week onwards um, with chemists across the country the testing will be monitored using mylab's mobile application the kit comes with everything the user needs to undertake uh, the test a result will reportedly be available in 15 minutes what's that this is uh, a fascinating development right i mean we saw earlier fisi networks uh, working with drdo on um, uh, some of this diagnostic stuff as well uh, yeah i mean what do you make of this i think i think it's a it's a good uh, addition to our testing capacity uh, i think before uh, earlier what used to happen was some of these uh, i mean not everyone could get test done at home so some of these places where people had to go to get test done were themselves sort of hot spots in terms of getting the infection right so uh, and this test is uh, is recommended only for symptomatic patients so at least it's only for those who have symptoms and they can get themselves tested uh, at home and the test is then treated as a true positive so it uh, kind of takes away some of the load from uh, you know from the testing centers themselves uh, i think things have moved pretty quickly icmr allowed these tests to be taken at home on the approval came in on 19th may and uh, we are seeing this company which which actually says that they can scale up to you know up to 10 crore sort of uh, kits a week in terms of manufacturing within a few weeks so it's a, it's definitely a good sign uh those who don't have those who have symptoms but end up getting tested negative still have to get the rt pcr test done this is what is called as a rapid antigen test so there are uh, some issues with the rapid antigen test in the sense that they throw up a lot of false negative so you might end up getting tested uh, getting a negative outcome in the test even though you may be positive uh still it makes that movement for you know patients who test positive to get directly uh, admitted if needed or get you know uh, sort of consultation from a doctor directly with the positive test get access to medicines and all much quicker instead of waiting to get an rt pcr test that in itself is a is a big step forward right uh, the the advantage the other advantage that i see with this uh, is that this test has to be reported also to icmr through the mobile app as you mentioned uh, and uh, and to the company itself through their mobile app so 
it also helps the company to understand how well their tests are performing and what else do they need to do to kind of improve the uh, the product itself so overall net net i think it's great it would probably have been a bit better if it you know had come 3 4 weeks ago when we were kind of peaking and we had uh, we were kind of stretched in terms of testing capacity but you know better late than never we'll almost definitely have a third wave so having something like this in our arsenal whenever that hits probably at the end of the year is is going to make things uh, you know lives for patients much better yeah anything that can ease capacity constraints right um yeah all right uh, oops yeah the national public broadcaster prasad prasad bharti has announced plans to launch an international news channel this channel will reportedly project india's world view on a global stage this comes at a time when western media has levied extreme criticism against india's handling of the covid-19 pandemic prasar bharti floated a draft expression of interest inviting comments from private players reportedly the new dd international channel aims to be like bbc world to ensure its viewership uh, by a global audience ashish we discovered some, i mean we discussed some of this in the ruchir sharma vishal ganeshan episode earlier seems like much of what we discussed is uh, sort of being actioned out right now what do you think yes sir uh, i was going to say that that uh, we've had a couple of episodes uh, around narrative building uh, and the speakers the, the guests that we had invited were quite uh, uh, i mean quite adamant about the fact that you cannot change things unless you control things yourself uh, in terms of having the ownership of the outlets through which you you put your uh, view across because you you can't really control a third party media and uh, of course each all countries have got their own uh, extended arms publicly funded arms basically right which uh, which which do this function and even uh, i mean countries like japan for example uh, uk of course with bbc even even uh, uh, even us uh, with uh, with its uh, international presence the the us media has always been very friendly to the us state in general right i mean they can bicker internal they, they can bicker inside us around uh, about their presidents etc but outside to the outside world they always project a us exceptionalism type of a view uh, irrespective of who's in power in the us so i think that that has been a missing link for india uh, in 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 general and uh, what has happened right now of course the, the this news was presented by uh, this this was broken by the print and the hindu uh, last week and they made it sound like this is imminent uh, what the what has happened really is that they right now floated a expression of interest inviting consultants to draw up a roadmap of how this will be done right so from from where it is it, it seems like an year away at least uh, although couple of uh, later news reports then talked about how this was already being done by prasar bharti internally like they they were already doing things internally to realign uh, uh, themselves to launching a global platform it is not easy to launch a global platform because you also need to tie up the viewership right and then each country has got its very different approaches to how the the tv stations reach the end viewers uh, the the distribution side of the equation is very very complex i mean it's complex even in india for example uh, despite like there's a dth channel there is uh, there is uh, uh, within which there is a free to air there, there are paid channels then there is of course the internet uh, uh, streaming so it's not easy to fix up distribution in multiple countries so uh, apparently prasad bharti was already working on it that's what the most recent news reports say and uh, i think it's important it's 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 good to talk about the events 
and not just events i mean let's not just look at it in a covid 19 context although that's like the proximate cause but in general the coverage of india is always from a point of view of uh the the, the western media always covers it from the point of view of uh uh you know teaching india quote unquote uh, uh teaching us how to behave better or how to improve ourselves right i mean the, the tone is always like that without understanding the the context of indian indian society or indian realities so uh, as such uh, i hope that this this uh, over time i mean over the years it becomes a uh, bipartisan or multipartisan initiative because this is not about uh, uh, the government of the day but how do you essentially uh, project india's capabilities or india's achievements to the world which the other, which the global media will not cover so let's hope that this this moves forward but looks like it's about a year away from from the news which uh, which came in this week all right Meanwhile, uh, Arvind Kejriwal's tweets about a Singapore strain of the coronavirus has incited much uproar. The Chief Minister of Delhi uh, tweeted on Tuesday about an alleged new form of COVID-19 in Singapore. In the tweet, he stated that his this strain was very dangerous for children, appealing to the central government to cancel all air air services with the uh, Singapore. In return, Singapore's Ministry of Health invoked its anti-misinformation law against Kejriwal. Under the law, social media platforms will be required to make corrections and clarifications regarding these falsehoods. Uh, Chief Minister Kejriwal was also heavily reprimanded by the Singapore High Commissioner Simon Wong. She was uh, surprised how quickly the Singapore uh, government acted on this. And do you think it's a bit much? no i i think it's fair and it's not a bit much i mean he was also reprimanded by our external affairs minister mr jay shankar and i think it was the right thing to do uh, singapore is is really way too important a trade partner defense partner and you know overall a, a very close ally right uh, i mean when uh, india opened up in the 90s Singapore was one of the first countries to hold shows you know they were called india fever shows to promote india and our relationship with asean is strong because we have strong relations with singapore and you know our lookies policy was pretty much facilitated facilitated by singapore so singapore has been a great ally and it's taken you know close to 3 decades of work you know by governments across parties to have built this strong relationship post liberalization uh so for a chief minister an elected chief minister to come in and make such an irresponsible statement without any data or any evidence is is to be condemned so i think the reaction is fair and uh, singapore like any self respecting country would come up with that kind of a reaction and considering our interests in that area and you know how important singapore is as a port as a military ally and so on our reaction was also i thought proportional right and uh, singapore has been at the forefront even in this latest wave of covid i mean they were one of the first to not only send oxygen tanks they sent us cryogenic cylinder uh, yeah tanks basically to hold oxygen these tanks take anywhere between 4 to 6 months to construct so even if you throw all the money in the world you will not be able to procure them so for them to actually send a few such uh, storage facilities was a was a great sign uh, within singapore 
the indian diaspora has donated more than 3 million dollars and these again have resulted in a lot of oxygen tanks medicines etc come into india so uh, singapore has been a critical ally plus the fact that there are a lot of indians who live and work in singapore and this could easily have spun out of control and they could have ended up you know facing the brunt from the localites there so all in all i think it was good that this was nipped in the bud and uh, you know the government made sure that this doesn't blow up so you know full full marks to the way the external affairs ministry and the singapore uh, government they've handled this right and finally according to a world bank report india received remittances worth 83 million dollars last year or should that be okay uh, despite the uh, coronavirus pandemic this was only a 0.2% uh, drop over the course of the year this drop was attributed to a 17% drop in remittances from the uae in comparison china received just over 59 billion dollars in uh, 2020 the report also stated the global remittances are projected to grow by 10.3% to about 689 billion dollars ashish why is this important and what are your thoughts so this is important because world bank itself had projected uh, in april 2020 that because of the covid pandemic the remittances will fall drastically uh, they had projected a figure in the range of 60 60 billion for india last year but as it turns out uh, the remittances did not fall at all uh, i mean a marginal 0.2% decline for india and not just for india they actually stood up fairly high for all the countries uh, which are typically the recipients of uh, of of remittances right so uh, generally countries whose workers are overseas so india and china are followed by mexico philippines uh, egypt and pakistan uh, and then i think france and bangladesh make up the top uh, top top 10 or so uh, for pakistan actually the remittances went up by uh, a good 17% um, so uh, the the whole concept of money moving during covid uh, you know the the, the 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 thesis which world bank had did not hold true so this is important for two reasons one is that uh, see a lot of remittances happen from the middle east right so there was a prognosis that uh, because of oil not holding up well a whole bunch of middle east jobs will be lost and of course middle east economy because it runs completely on on oil there's a second third fourth derivative effect right so it's not just the actual direct direct jobs being lost it's also the the jobs in the tertiary sector uh, being impacted it had that that economy collapsed but it looks like at least for this year at least for last year things have held up well uh, also with uh, the us shale boom no longer uh, you know that big or or at least the new president not that big on 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 shale seems like the the oil economy in the short term seems reasonably robust i mean if you see the pricing also it's held around 70 dollars more or less right uh, the, the crude prices so that would mean that the remittances will continue to flow uh, remittances are important for india because uh, in 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 times when the economy is shrinking uh, as it would uh, in, in the full full this year the numbers will come out on 31st may for the financial year 2021 where india will show probably a 7% gdp decline um and i mean the first such decline in several years right and uh, i think if the remittances also stop then the, there's a cash flow problem in terms of people i mean how do you, how how people support their livelihoods so i think that was this was significant in terms of upholding the the uh, operations in the economy the day to day operations in the economy which was quite critical it also shows that people uh, uh, you know uh, continue to 
you know care about their families uh, in in difficult times i think it's probably also a little bit of a statement of how social social structures work in india right so people don't forget that uh, even though the times are difficult they have to support who the, who they are generally supporting and probably some of it is also investment i mean you know some of it is also as as the prices of assets go down housing housing or financial markets some of this also finds its way into the financialization in the in the indian local market so all in all good news and um, uh, let's hope that uh, the the number stays up uh, even this year uh, not i mean for for india and which also would mean as a, as a proxy that uh, the the economies uh, from which we get get the money which is essentially us singapore uk middle east all of them have uh, would, would be, would be doing reasonably well or holding up well for the jobs that indian sold there right all right that's a wrap from us uh, for this week uh, we have a couple of stellar episodes coming up uh, this week more than a couple in fact uh, so today uh, whatsa will be going live with professor manindra agarwal uh, whatsa what is that going to be like uh i mean see professor agarwal has is one of the foremost mathematician not just in india but you know probably the world he's won so many prestigious awards today what we'll do is we'll talk about uh, the model and understand how some of the usual tropes that are you know thrown about that we are not testing sufficiently or deaths are undercounted this is undercounted how all of this is uh, is handled and how many of these theories are actually true uh, to be interesting to get his views on some of uh, these aspects right ashish how was your conversation with uh, anish and ashish tripathi oh absolutely love this conversation so anish and ashish tripathi are working on a non invasive early cancer detection test which means that it's this is a blood test which will t- tell you uh the probability of getting cancer right so uh it's not just detection but it's also prognosis uh and they have a certain score which they will assign to the blood test which will tell you uh, the probability and also what type of cancer so very very interesting type of a discovery this has been done by their father who is a 80 year old scientist and uh, both the brothers uh, have they have their own companies uh, in singapore and in, and in india which which are collaborating on on this and uh, extremely fascinating i mean this can completely change the way healthcare costs are borne by the society the way the families suffer in in case cancer is not detected early enough right so there are a lot of these issues which a lot of secondary issues which will which will really uh, be addressed uh, well if, uh, if if this test kind of goes through uh, and of course they they start to plan commercialization in october as early as october so a really exciting uh, discussion we actually took questions from doctors for this uh, episode and all of medical queries were also asked so uh, in case people who are uh, you know interested in the in the in the medical side of things uh, for them it will be a very very interesting episode to uh, to to listen to and um, uh, just as a, i mean we we we've already had uh, amish tripathi and bhavna roy they're all siblings basically uh, on on the podcast so it was actually a good to good to complete a family reunion on bharat varta and what what a what a wonderfully accomplished family yeah absolutely All right. Uh, thank you so much for your love and support. Please keep the comments and suggestions uh, coming in. Uh, this sort of completes the feedback loop on all of the content that we put out. Um, yeah, uh, I think uh, the DVG uh, episode really worked wonders. I mean, a lot of people really liked it. Um, also, you know, we have our premium subscriptions, Plus and Prime. 
we give you a whole lot of privileges uh, fresh content uh, and uh, and other things amas and so on and so forth do check it out on youtube we also have a patreon page now do check it out on patreon and uh, yeah that's it thanks so much uh, for joining us uh, on this edition of the weekly um, do stay safe take care and see you next week